0: Hey, my name is PJ Nolan. I'm the lead pastor of Collective Church. We are a community of real people in Saline County, Arkansas, seeking to know God and to make him known. We hope as you visit our podcast that you will find the messages inspiring, practical, but most importantly, biblical. Today, we're going to continue our series called Stewards. It's a seven week series. Today, we're in part four. And so here's the deal. I'm going to keep preaching this um, every week until you folks really start to embrace it here at Collective. I believe and I expect God to move today, uh, but you got to cooperate with him. The Holy Spirit's eager to work in people's hearts today. He's eager to, eager to work in your marriage. He's eager to work in your family. He's eager to work in the uh, lives of your children. But folks, we have to cooperate with him. Uh, When he moves us to make decisions, we have to make decisions. When he moves us to pray, we have to move and pray. When he moves us to go and grab someone by the elbow and ask them to come down and kneel with us in the altar, man, we have to follow those promptings. It's when we do that we see the Holy Spirit of God begin to do things that uh, are far more exceedingly abundantly than we could ever ask or think. And so that's what we want to see here this morning. This is where we've been so far in this series. We've been talking about... How God, when he saves us from our sin, when Jesus rescues us, he transfers our citizenship. In other words, before we experience the salvation of Jesus, we're citizens of this earth. But when Jesus saves us, he transfers our citizenship into his kingdom. His kingdom is both here and now and eternal. We are to live for his kingdom in the here and now. Understanding that our citizenship is secured in eternity with him. When, when Jesus transfers our citizenship from earth into his kingdom, he then entrusts us with certain things. He gives us privileges and he gives us responsibilities. And all of a sudden, the time and the talents and the treasures that we once thought were ours, we begin to understand spiritually that they no longer belong to us anymore, That all of the time, all of the talents, and all of the treasures that we possess has been entrusted to us from God to manage, to oversee, to steward for his purposes. And so throughout this series, that's what we're talking about, how to steward, oversee, manage, invest the time that God has entrusted to us, the talents, the gifts that he has given to us, and the treasures that he has given If I had to sum up this entire series in one sentence, one statement, if you were to ask me today, hey, I want you to sum up the entire seven weeks of this series in one statement, I would have to pull the quote from evangelist Shane Pruitt. Let's pull it up on the screen this morning. Shane Pruitt says this, he says, the gospel isn't only about changing where you'll live for eternity, it's about changing how you live for today. Let that sink in, folks. The gospel isn't only about changing your final destination. It's about changing how you live today with that eternal destination in mind. In case you don't know it, let me remind you today, the gospel changes everything. When the gospel gets a hold of you, when the grace of God gets a hold of you, your eyes are spiritually open to things that you weren't able to see before. The Bible says that before you were saved, you were called a natural man or natural woman. And the scriptures tell us that the natural man or the natural woman does not understand the spiritual things of God. But once you are saved, your eyes and your mind and your heart are opened up spiritually. And you begin to see things differently. And you begin to value things differently. That's what the gospel does. The gospel changes how we invest our time. It's one of the reasons why Moses prayed in Psalm chapter 90, verse 12, Lord, teach me to number our days that I might gain a heart of wisdom. Moses understood that his days here on earth were limited. Therefore, he wanted to live with a spiritual vision. And he asked the Lord to help him to number his days. In other words, to make the most of the days that he had been given and to live them out with a heart of wisdom. We should do the same. The gospel not only changes how we invest our time, the gospel changes how we see the talents and the gifts that God has given us. The talents are the natural things, abilities that God hardwired within us when he knit us together in our mother's womb. The gifts are the things that the Holy Spirit of God supernaturally imparts to us when he saves us. See, when we are saved and born again, the Spirit of God begins to help us see that our talents and our gifts have not been given to you and I to build our own platforms or to make our own names famous, but have been given to us to make His name famous. The gospel also changes how we invest our treasures. The gospel reveals to us that our treasures aren't to be laid up here on earth for our gain, but instead to be invested for His purposes that we might lay up treasures in heaven Or in eternity. Speaking of treasures, that's where we're gonna land today, next week, and the week after that. Next week we're gonna talk about the treasure of money. Week after that, we'll talk about the treasure of children. Today, though, we want to talk about the treasure of a home. And the title of our message today is How to Build Your Dream Home. How to Build Your Dream Home. What I wanna do if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. I want to give you the key thought for our message today. If you're taking notes, write it down. Let this sink in, church. Your address is not a coincidence. Never has been. Every place that you have called home was never a coincidence. God always had you placed there and positioned there for a very specific reason, for a very specific purpose. Whether you saw that reason or recognized the purpose, I don't know, but I know that God didn't place you there by accident. So we've all been familiar with the passage in Scripture that says that God knitted us together in our mother's womb. Well, God didn't just stop there. He didn't just knit you together in your mother's womb. He also sovereignly orchestrated all the places you would ever call home, the seasons and the boundaries of what Scripture calls your dwelling places. Amen. Follow me to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 17, verses 26 through 27, the scriptures tell us this, that God made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth. And he determined the allotted periods or the seasons and the boundaries of their dwelling place. Why? That they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us. God has already predetermined the allotted seasons and boundaries of your dwelling places. He knew how long you would spend in that childhood home. He knows how long you're going to spend in your current home. He has given you and I, each and every one of us, an expiration date. Our mission is to make the most of the time he's given us and the treasure of our home that he has given us. I want to give you a few questions to consider. Get your will spinning a little bit about your home. I'd love for you to write these down. Take these questions home with you and discuss them with your spouse. Maybe even involve your children in the, in the discussion. Some of these questions, the answers may seem obvious. But if you really dig down deep into them, it will really make you question whether or not you're making the most of this treasure that God has entrusted to you. Number one, why do you have a home? Why do you have a home? other question is why what do you want to happen inside the walls of your home what do you want to happen inside the walls of your home what will the legacy of your years in the home be like when your children grow up and move out and start a family of their own when you're maybe later on in life and moving towards retirement what is the legacy of your home going to be As a family who believes in following Jesus, in other words, you're surrendered to Him, you want to obey His commands, you're all about valuing what Jesus values, how do you make the most of the home that He's entrusted to you? Other question, final question here is, how do you make your home an outpost for ministry instead of a retreat from the mission? See, a lot of times we go through the daily grind of life And we go home and we park in the garage and we close the garage as soon as we can. And we strictly just see our house as an escape from the world. Jesus did not provide you with the treasure of a home so that you could retreat from the world. Now, there's nothing wrong with our homes being relaxing. There's nothing wrong with finding rest at home. But let's not forget that the primary purpose for God giving you the treasure of a home is for it to be an outpost for ministry and for mission. Well, yes. uh, Many of you know, people in the community begin to hear that we're getting ready to purchase some property over here that within the next three years we hope to build a facility on. And one of the most common questions I get asked is, what are the various spaces that y'all plan to build within that facility? Family Life Center, blah, blah, blah. And my most common answer is listen, we need a worship center, we need a place for kids to gather, and we need a place for students to worship. Beyond that, that's all we need. Why is that? Because we got outposts for ministry all around Celine County. Yeah. Yeah. Why don't we build a family life center when we get family life centers in Bryant? We got family life centers in Benton, we got family life centers in Haskell, we got them in Alexander, they're all over Celine County, and guess what? They're your homes. Those are the places for us to do ministry and to do mission. It's a treasure that God has given to you to help other people experience him and to experience his goodness and his grace. So I want to spend the rest of the time giving you a few different pointers, some application here for how to build your dream home. How to build your dream home. And I'm not talking about having the latest, greatest floor plan. I'm not talking about how to like go and find the latest, greatest paint color that Joanna Gaines has put out. I'm not talking about any of that. I'm talking about how to build a spiritual dream home that's going to leave a legacy that will impact your children, that's going to leave a legacy that will impact your grandchildren, and so that our faith may be handed down for generations to come. Number one, build your home on Christ and nothing less. Build your home on Christ and nothing less. When you set out to buy a home or even to build a home, what's one of the most important parts of the house? The foundation. Anybody with any common sense knows that, but I had to check you check all out for a little bit, all right? Make sure you're with me. One of the most important parts is the foundation. Many people, when they go to buy a house, if the foundation doesn't pass inspection, what do they do? They walk away from it. Because they know that if they go ahead and purchase that house, there's a lot of future expenses that come with the foundation issues, right? Here's what's interesting about that. We know that to be true with our physical homes. We also know it to be true with our spiritual homes. Yet so many of us go throughout life without ever building our home on the foundation of Christ. Jesus shares a parable about this. Uh, Follow along with me in Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27. Jesus said, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them, doesn't just hear them, but does them, will be like a wise man who built his what? House on the rock. Who's the rock? Jesus. And the rain fell. Listen, folks, the rain's going to come. It's not a matter of if it's going to rain. It's a matter of when it's going to rain. And the floods came. Life's going to flood sometimes. And the winds blew and they beat on the house. The Lord's going to allow adversity in our lives. Just a matter of not whether or not we're going to build our spiritual homes on the foundation of Jesus Christ so that we can withstand the adversity, which is what Jesus goes on to describe here. He said, but the house did not fall. Why? Because it had been founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like what? A foolish man who built his house on the sand. And when the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house, it fell. And look what Jesus says here. And great was the fall of it. You know, if Christians are ever going to maintain and steward a home in a meaningful way, we must build our house on Christ. Some of you here today, you realize as you hear this passage and hear this teaching that you've been building a foundation on all the wrong things. I want to tell you today, it's not too late to begin repairing the foundation. It's not too late to turn back to Jesus, repent of some of the things that you have become aligned with in your life, And turn back to the solid rock because what Jesus is in the business of doing is taking things that are broken and fractured and in needing of repair and he knows how to put them all back together. That's what Jesus can do for the foundation of your spiritual home if you will turn to him. Number two, if you're going to build your dream home, I want to tell you, you got to hold your home loosely. You got to hold your home loosely. Listen, folks, the treasures that God has given us, The Bible tells us that every good and perfect gift comes from above. God has given us all many good things, good treasures to enjoy. But if we're not careful, treasures can easily become idols in our lives. They easily become idols. And I mentioned this this morning because if you're not careful, your home can move from being a blessed treasure in your life to becoming an idol. It can move to become an idol. See, our homes come with familiarity. They come with comfort. They come with some much-needed security. And nothing wrong with those things when kept in check. But here's the deal. Familiarity, comfort, and security, they're blessings to enjoy, not things to worship. Not things to worship. I also wanted to mention this because when you truly surrender to Jesus Christ, you understand one thing in particular about Him. He has the authority to change your address. He has the authority to change your address. If you are truly surrendered to Him, you are open to and willing to Him moving you wherever He wants to move you, leading you wherever He wants to lead you. Nobody understood this better than the man in the Old Testament by the name of Job. And Job understood that just as the Lord lovingly and graciously gives, the Lord has the authority to also lovingly and graciously take away. Look at what the Bible says in Job chapter one, verse twenty-one. The Lord or Job said, the Lord gave. But he goes on to say, and the Lord has also taken away. But what does Job say? Either way, blessed be the name of the Lord. Folks, if we're surrendered to Christ, he has the authority to change our address. I'll illustrate this a couple different ways. Many of you are familiar with our missionaries to Portugal, Josh and Sarah Ball. Josh and Sarah were on into their adult years. Josh was a barber doing really well, had opened up his own shop here in Saline County. Sarah was a nurse, having a great career as a nurse. They had two boys. And over the last five years, Josh and Sarah began to sense a restlessness in their spirit. And they began to ask God, what is this restlessness all about? What are you trying to do? And eventually, God revealed to them, I'm changing your address. He said, I'm sending you overseas to bring the gospel to a group of people that are far from me and do not know me. What's that called? That's called surrender. See, the thing about Josh and Sarah is they both had good careers going, and they both had a house right here in Celine County that they had renovated, remodeled, really pretty house. But God had different plans. That's what happens when you surrender to Christ. This is why I'm telling you, you got to hold your home loosely. Number three, I want to also encourage you and tell you that you got to make your dream home a home for others. you got to make it a home for others. When, when God gives us a home, he definitely wants us to steward that treasure and invest that treasure into the lives of our immediate family for their care and for their needs. But he also has another group of people in mind. And that group of people is the family of God. We'll talk about some verses related to that here in just a moment. But I want to show you the practical ways that the Bible tells us to steward the treasure of a home into the lives of other people. Romans chapter 12 verse 13 tells us that we should steward our homes to contribute to the needs of others and to show hospitality to them. Hebrews 13 verse 2 tells us that we should not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. Folks, I just want to like shoot you straight as your pastor for a moment. Some of you, you have your people here within the church that like theirs are just they're your people. Can I challenge you to get out of the bubble of just your people every once in a while? And maybe begin to steward the treasure of your home in a way where you invite some other people from the church family within your home and begin cultivating friendships with them. Because I can tell you this, people want to belong. People want to belong, but they're a little bit nervous sometimes about bursting your little bubble. Folks, you got to get out of your comfort zone and you do not need to neglect showing hospitality to strangers. First Peter chapter four, verse nine tells us that not only are we supposed to show hospitality, but we're supposed to show hospitality without grumbling. What does that mean? What does that look like? Practically speaking, that means when you have people over, you do it without complaining about maybe cleaning the house that you do it without stressing about getting all the food done. Listen, if it helps ease the stress a little bit, just call takeout. Bring it home, put it on the dinner table, and tell people, hey, we're just going to hang out. I hope you like the Chinese food. We're here for each other tonight. There's this story in the Gospels of Jesus with Mary and Martha, and they had had Jesus over for supper, and Martha's in the kitchen hurrying around, rushing around, huffing and puffing, and Mary's just sitting at the feet of Jesus, Martha comes rushing in there. She says to Jesus, are you going to tell Mary to help me in the kitchen? And Jesus looks at Martha, and I can just picture him laughing a little bit, a little bit of a smirk on his face. And he says, Martha, you're consumed with a lot of stuff that doesn't even really matter. He said, Mary is enjoying the good portion. Folks, let's just open up the treasure of our homes and invite people into them and not be stressed about some things that nobody really cares about. And let's just enjoy the good portion of being with Jesus and being with one another. The Bible says that when we do this, that we produce an aroma in our house. That aroma is called the aroma of Christ. Look at what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 2, verse 15. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. When you make your home a home for others, you are cultivating an aroma for Christ to those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. Number four, to build your dream home, you gotta prioritize the family of God. You gotta prioritize the family of God. Among the people that we might bring into our homes, our dwelling places over the years, God calls us to prioritize a specific group, and it's the family of God, as the scriptures call the household of faith in Galatians chapter 6. Look at this passage. The Bible tells us to not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap a harvest if we do not give up, So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good for everyone, but especially to those who are of the household of faith. Jesus calls us to prioritize the family of God. In fact, there's a moment in the scriptures, it's over in Matthew chapter 12, verses 46 through 50. I'm going to read it here in just a second. Jesus was teaching his disciples speaking to a group of onlookers. And the Bible tells us that he was interrupted by a man and that a man barges into the scene and says to Jesus, Jesus, your brothers and your mother are right over here and they're wanting to have a word with you. They've got some questions. They want to talk to you about some things. And Jesus's response to the man has always fascinated me. It's always sort of intrigued me. Look at Jesus's response to him. He said, who is my mother and who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand towards his disciples, he said, Here's my, Here are my mother and brothers, for whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mothers. Listen, church, I'm not saying that our biological families aren't important and shouldn't take priorities in our lives at various times. What I am doing and saying is pointing out that Scripture places a very high priority on the family of God. As believers, we not only live in a house, but the scripture says we are being joined together and being built up into a spiritual house. Look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5. Peter says that you yourselves, that's you and I, we are like living stones being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Folks, let your home be a catalyst for the kind of spiritual building, joining, and maturing that comes within the family of faith. Fifth and final point, remember that this home is not our home. Remember that the home that you might would consider your dream home, oftentimes we're so foolish to go as far as to call them our forever homes, they're not our forever homes. The Bible says that we are just passing through this place called earth. As believers, we are on a pilgrimage, on our way to what Scripture refers to as a heavenly homeland. Friends, this is a temporary living situation. And oftentimes, we get far too consumed with this temporary living situation. What we ought to do is be shifting our perspective and realizing that we are to manage all the time all the treasures, and all the talents with heaven in mind. Look what Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. Mary Ann's going to make her way to the stage as we get ready to open up the altars and pray this morning. Paul reminds us, our citizenship is where? In heaven. And from it, we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that this place is not my forever home. I'm thankful that I'm just passing through. I'm thankful that I don't have to strive to try to build the best home here on earth because Jesus is already preparing a mansion for me in heaven. My privilege and my responsibility in the meantime is to steward, manage, oversee, invest, the treasure that he has entrusted to me for his purposes. You know what the Bible says about that? Jesus said, when you seek his kingdom above all else, everything else will be added unto you. Everything you need, you'll have. The Bible has a word for that, contentment. Contentment. I want us to take some time to pray this morning. I want us to go before the Lord like we always do and pray. Thank God that he's preparing an eternal home for us in heaven. I want to encourage some of you to go before him and realign your priorities with your home. There's many people in this church family, man, you share your home with people. You've got people over for game nights. You're having people over to fellowship and to pray together, enjoy meals together. I love it. But there's others, for whatever reason, you just cling to it. And you're fearful of having people in. I don't know why. I don't know all the reasons. But what I do know is your home is a treasure, not for you. It's a treasure intended for ministry and for mission. So can we go before the Lord and pray this morning and align our perspective of the treasure of our homes with the perspective of his kingdom? Thanks again for visiting the Collective Church podcast. We hope you found the message to be practical, inspiring, and biblical. And by the way, if you're interested in learning more about Collective Church, you can follow us on Facebook or Instagram. And if you enjoyed the message, hit the subscribe button. And if you'd be willing to, hit share and help us spread the word about Collective Church.